0: I am a man, I am a man, I am a man. I am a man. 41, am a man. I am وَمَا تَخْرُجُ مِنْ ثَمَرَاتٍ مِنْ أَقْمَامِهَا وَمَا تَحْمِلُ مِنْ أُنْثَى وَلَا تَضُعُ إِلَّا بِعِلْمِهِ وَيَوْمِ يُنَادِيهِمْ أَيْنَ الشُرَكَاءِي قالوا آذَنَّاكَ مَا مِنَّا مِنْ شَهِيدٍ This surah is revealed by Allah. تَنزِيلٌ مِنَ الرَّحْمَانِ الرَّحِيمِ From the Rahman, from the Rahim. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala explains his being a Rahman, his being a Rahim, through these ayat that are made very clear and apparent they're explained as the word Fussle means the ayat that are explained and clarified so this ayah is an ayah of Tawheed ayah of Allah's knowledge his omnipotence his abilities, his power and his creativity. And so this ayah is, is also part of the surah in terms of explaining Allah's tawheed, Allah's being the Rahman, Allah, be, Allah being the Rahim. To him alone is the knowledge of the hour. The knowledge of the hour is in Allah's knowledge, he has not shared this knowledge with anyone, not even with an angel. When the time comes, he will instruct Israfil to blow into the trumpet. And when the time is there, and then uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give the order. And the universe will be destroyed as we know it. When is that? Only Allah knows. Uh, To him alone, the knowledge of the hour returns. So this is Allah's supreme knowledge of how the universe is created, how the universe is uncreated, how the universe is constructed, and how the universe is destructed. Um, And the rest of the Ayah flows from this. So knowing this, is a sign and proof of divinity. That the Quraysh would come to the Prophet and say, where is your help from God that you are saying, Allah will help me and he will give me victory over you and you're still here, stuck in Makkah. You're still being persecuted. You're still being isolated, marginalized. You still don't have any supporters. And yet you are mentioning all of these great ideals that are universal, Ah, and you're coming up with these old realities of the universe, the existence, the Day of Judgment, and everything else, but when is that time going to come? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is reassuring the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa by saying that Allah knows everything in terms of its occurrence at the micro level and at the macro level. Hmm. Yeah. So the first is the macro. What is the macro? Knowledge of when the universe will be totally destroyed. And then what is the micro? The micro is now the next part of the ayah. That no fruit comes out from its sheath, its cover, gum, and no mother carries its burden in terms of the fetus. Nor does any mother deliver at the micro level of knowledge, except with his knowledge. So Allah knows when the baby is delivered, Allah knows when the fruit will come out from the cover, from the sheath, and all that is micro knowledge, knowledge of the micro. Then, at knowledge of the macro, when the day of judgment will occur. So, this is how you see the ayah now being very clearly explaining to now the bedouin arab so when the bedouin arab who is now or the Quraysh, who travel and they see the universe and the cosmos and they see the sun the moon the stars the planets the constellations and they see nature all around them they are able to put this together instantaneously Right, So instantaneously they will know that if Allah knows when the fruits are coming out from the, the sheath, from the covers and the, from the pods, uh, if he knows this, and he knows when the woman is going to deliver the baby, and he knows when it is now carrying, when it conceives, when the mother conceives, if he knows knowledge at this level, then I'm sure that he knows knowledge at that level of the macro when the universe will be destructed and all of that. So for the Bedouin Arab, the person who travels and sees the universe, the cosmos, is in sync with nature, it's a no-brainer that they'll put these two together. Okay? That is how the Qur'an deals with proving that Allah is now the one who knows everything. And since he knows everything, he must be the creator, he must be the maker, and there can be no partner to him so, the day when it will be called, that they will be called, where Allah will say, Where are my partners? That you associated partners with me in the world, where are they? They're not here. Meaning, post-recreation, which is the day of judgment, on the other side, Allah will have total authority, dominion, sovereignty, and He will be the one announcing. He will be the one giving the answer. They will unfortunately succumb and uh, acquiesce at least to the idea that today we have no witness. Hmm. We have accepted uh, and uh, we have no witness that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be the king of all kings. On that day. So basically, Allah is reassuring the Prophet that you must not be disturbed or discouraged by their comments about you, by their you know, mockery of you, by them deriding you and making fun of you, and you must not lose hope in Allah. Allah knows everything at the time when everything happens because He is the one who makes it happen. And there's another time and place when he will make a few things happen and they will have absolutely no authority on that day to make anything happen. So this is how Allah is now reassuring the Prophet At the same time, through the reassurance, the language is very pristine and miraculous that Allah has joined together this level of argumentation. All in one verse and the purpose of the verse is to reassure the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So, the wa ta'ala reassures the Prophet sallallahu alaihi by explaining the truth, mm, not by being diplomatic, and not by conceding, and not by cajoling, but speaking the truth. And the truth is very clear, very apparent, and it is formidable. Mm. وَظَلَّ عَنْهُمْ مَا كَانُوا يَدْعُونَ مِنْ قَبْلُ وَظَنُّوا مَا لهم مِنْ And whatever, whoever they were calling before, they will be lost to them. They will escape them, meaning nobody will come to their rescue and they will believe and imagine and think that they have no asylum away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They will give up basically on that day because there is no one there to help them. Yeah. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brings about another reality of man. What is the reality of the universe as we know it? And there's, there's a reality of man, man's nature, man's attribute and uh, propensities and so-called psyche. لا الإنسان من دعاء الخير وإن مسه الشر that man does not become weary and tired of calling for good. Dua al khair can either mean making dua, petition, supplication, We can mean just inviting and calling and asking for goodness, either through their tongues or through their behavior, through their attitude, approach, lifestyle, culture, etc. So man is never going to give up the idea of goodness coming to him in this life. Man is always very much actively looking for khair in any shape or form that he thinks khair will come to him. Everybody is engaged in trying to bring about goodness into their lives. Whether that goodness is real or not, it doesn't matter. But everybody is engaged. Nobody gives up. Those who give up, obviously, they're not really true men, they're not truly human beings, so they're not included in the equation of men and human beings, and they give up. So both those look at this country, despite everything that happens, people are still wanting khair, in the sense of being able to go to work and partying and having a nice time and all this. For them, in their minds, this is khair, in their minds. So man does not get tired of seeking khair looking for khair and that's what the word dua here i believe means is more broader and general than specific doesn't mean specifically praying supplicating and making dua and ibadah and so on no. you know, so now man's attitude and approach is that he's always going to consider looking for good things uh, in any way, shape, or form, as I said. But when evil touches him, then man all of a sudden becomes desperate. He uh, losing hope, despondent. That man, if there's a failure, then you don't know what to do. So that is now the friction and the tension that man faces all the time, especially now, in this, uh, what they call superpower of a country where there's a pandemic, and the pandemic is evil, it is shirk, and then against the good of whatever the country was offering, there's this friction and tension that man unfortunately gives up with the COVID, and doesn't seem to understand that they need to take precautions, uh, and they cannot just simply override the shirk. By assuming they can do what they want. So, this tension is real that become, they become despondent, they lose hope in their own abilities to be patient and to be more upright and steadfast. And they, they don't become people who are grateful for whatever Allah has given them. Okay, so, the whole idea here in this ayah is to show maybe a cross section of human beings and in the psyche of human beings. That human beings, when they're faced with uh, some kind of sharr or evil or disappointment, then they react in a very uh, bad way. Their reaction is not the way of calling goodness towards them. They are counterproductive. Mm, so, so this being uh, in touch with Tawheed, in, being in touch with the Rahman and the Raheem will give them hope. And they will then say that we need to do this carefully, in a much more organized and strategic way, that how do we deal with this evil? How do we deal with this shara? How do we deal with these um, failures? You know, yeah. okay, so the the, the, the uh, what you call the hallmark of a civilization is when they deal with failures, not just with success so how do you cope with the loss so in this country in this culture unfortunately they don't deal with death that well god forbid somebody loses someone very close and they don't deal with it very well They, they they go into grief and then they have grief counseling and then they go into desertion and they go into isolation some of them drink some of them do other silly things and some of them give up hope and they don't know what to do and they go crazy and uh, depression and all of that. How do you deal with loss? Uh, Which would be the implied meaning of the word shar. How do you deal with something that in your mind was not supposed to happen, but it happens? Or something that is inevitable, how do you deal with it? And so Then you have to believe in a higher power. Someone who has authority over you, and then you have something else Uh, to look forward to. Uh, What is that that you have to look forward to? Death, and meeting Allah on the Day of Judgment, and then hoping that Allah will place you in a place where there is eternal bliss and happiness. Uh, That's what you have to look forward to. The Akhirah then comes to save man from his own failures and disappointments and destruction and all of that. So if you remove Akhirah, then this ayah applies to everybody, that everybody will not be able to handle loss and failure. Everybody's not resolute, everybody's not steadfast, everybody doesn't believe in resilience and patience and perseverance. The only way you're going to do that is if you include the Akhirah into your worldview, into your thinking, and say there's a day of judgment, and there's a time and place when Allah will forgive us all and give us all, Inshallah, a good life forever. That's the beauty of belief in the Akhirah. So this takes away from a secular mode into an Akhirah mode. When you secularize everything, then you are limited to time and space. And that is what creates the tension and the self-persecution, etc., وَلَنَا رَحْمَةً مِنَّا مِنْ بَعْدِ هَذَا لِي وَمَا And if we were to give him a taste of our rahmah, after the stress that touches him, then indeed he most certainly will say, this is for me, and I don't believe that the qiyamah is coming, that the hour is going to be standing. And even if I was to be returned to my Lord, I know that I will have the greatest benefit and the greatest deed or the greatest khair al-husna, referring to Jannah. That Even if I was to be resurrected, my Lord will still give me the best because he has given me this in the dunya. So they are associating the idea of goodness in this dunya you know, is a proof for goodness in the akhirah which is also very, as you know, the Protestant idea of divine providence. So you don't want to be like that. Divine providence is that the more Allah gives you in this world, power, authority, food, control, manipulation, power, etc., that means that God is with you, and that shows that God will be with you when you die, and he'll give you heaven or paradise or whatever it is they believe in. so there's a cross-section of a secularized understanding of religion so that is what Muslims must escape this secularization of religion and understand that Islam is not about this Islam is more about that some people may be given good things in the world and some people may be given distress if they are grateful for the good things and if they are patient about the distress then they will have Jannah that's the equation Otherwise, it will not work in our scheme of thinking. And Allah says, uh, speaking the truth is a kind of, oh, flat out. No diplomacy whatsoever. It's the revelation. It reveals the absolute truth. It doesn't sugarcoat anything. Yeah, so, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that we will most certainly indeed inform those who disbelieve about what they did, and in most certainly we will definitely give them a taste of a very severe punishment, very harsh and rough punishment, and which is callous and uncouth punishment. So, Allah is not mincing any words here that if you disbelieve in me, In this world you will get nothing in the other world and that is now the only way he will justify salvation and a good life in the other world is based on your based on your actions also but more than so you must believe allah is the one who's going to grant you whatever it is that he grants you both in this world and also in the other world so when you are distressed then you must be patient and when you are blessed, you must be grateful because the one who's sending you distress and the one who is now sending you good things is one. He is one. He is the mawahid al-wahid al So there is heed there. The one who gives and the one who takes. The one who accommodates and the one who restricts. He is one. So when you believe in the one, then he is able to do this and he is able to do that. So now... He will expand his rahmah if you believe in him in this world, and he will restrict his rahmah if you don't believe in him in this world. Okay? That is how you get the idea of Tawheed, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's ability, his power, his qudrah, his omnipotence is eternal and absolute. The previous ayah was showing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's eternal, uh, knowledge. This one is showing a lot. wa ta'ala's eternal power and His abilities, and so on. And when we bless and give gifts to man, he turns away from Allah Subhanahu wa Taala and draws himself away from Allah with his side, meaning that he becomes arrogant and proud. Uh, He he wants to stay away and aloof, uh, show that he is aloof from Allah. So this, again, the natural state, normal state of man, that this is what man does when Allah favors him with some goodness in this world. وَإِذَا Dua in arid, And if, God forbid, any evil now touches him, then he goes into a very expansive, uh, very broad measure of dua and uh, supplication, petition, doing this, doing that, and bending over backwards to, to, to bribe Allah, uh, to convince Allah that, and all of that, through whichever means that he has at his disposal, through any religion, every religion, not just Islam. So this the word dua there is is a very broad meaning in terms of being able to understand that human beings will use any supplication, petition at their disposal through any religion whatsoever, not just Islam, because the, the this wouldn't apply to the Arabs who are mushrik otherwise, okay? The mushrik would make dua, and they would call Allah because they knew who Allah is. But those who were there seek no dua and petition uh, through other means of their idols is also included in the word dua, arid, yeah. very expansive, very broad measures taken for seeking supplication and petitioning the divine and divine help and assistance uh, so on, so it's a very, very frail and frickle personality that human beings have. So we must now base the, 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 in the previous ayat that were discussed. Inna Indeed, those people who say our Lord is Allah, and then they are firm on that statement. So there is istiqamah is now the way to handle the kind of stress and uh, problems that we face when, if there is a calamity or disaster, uh, even a minor problem. قُلْ أَرَيْتُ مِنْ كَانَ مِنْ عِنْدِ اللَّهِ ثُمَّ كَفَرْتُمْ بِهِ مَنْ أَضَلُّ مِمَّنْ هُوَ فِي شِقَاقٍ بَعِيدٌ. Say Muhammad that your problem is you don't see anything coming from Allah. So neither do you see goodness coming from Allah, neither nor do you see evil or uh, bad luck coming from Allah. If you were to say that it comes from Allah and then you disbelieve in him, به, then who can be more misled and misguided than those who are in a very vast and severe uh, schism, um, yeah, a vacuum almost here. Yeah shiqaqim ba'id, meaning that you are leaving yourself exposed to pitfalls of disappointment if you don't see where all of this is coming from. If you don't believe that Allah has the power and ability and the divine will to inflict upon you uh, 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 trials and tribulations and illnesses and everything else, loss, and you don't see that Allah has the ability to give you goodness, then you are definitely very far away from the truth. Mm. That is the greatest disaster. So, the disaster that you losing, God forbid, some money or losing a relative or losing something else in life is not as disastrous as you losing yourselves uh, into misguidance. Mm. Man adullu, who can be misgu- more misguided? So misguidance and dolala itself is a huge disaster. It's, it's the greatest loss that man, unfortunately, has to endure. And Allah is saying you don't have to endure this loss because it's a matter of faith. And it does not cost you anything. It's free. All you have to do is reconcile, acquiesce, and submit, and resign to Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala's will, and his abilities, and then he will at least promise you that after you die and you meet him, he will give you jannah, and he will give you success. Except that is now is not in this world; it's in the other world. So there is some reassurance there for people who don't have too much in this world. And unfortunately, the mo- most of the world are in this uh, category where they're not blessed. Uh, there's only one percent of people who can. Uh, actually say that they are blessed, and even then they are not blessed. Yeah. So uh, the most people in the world, they're always in want, they're in need, they're sick, they're, they're, they're in poverty, uh, they're not uh, literate enough, and um, few people like us who live here in these uh, developed countries can say we are okay, alhamdulillah, uh, and so on. So then we, if we compare relatively to what others are going through, we are blessed, no doubt. But are we as blessed as the prophets in terms of their iman, their faith? Are we as blessed as the Sahaba in terms of their faith, their iman, and their will and their determination to please Allah? No. So there's no, how do you compare yourselves? Do you compare yourselves with others who have more and better iman than you do, or are you comparing yourselves with those who have more of the dunya? So dunya is finite is not uh, going to be eternal, it's temporary, it's going to go away. So a little bit of dunya is fine, but if you want to be submerged in the dunya, that's a great loss. That is a total disaster. So That's what I mean by secularizing Islam, that if your Islam is built upon this idea uh, that the more dunya we have, the more successful we are, that is false. That is a great disaster. And you will not recover from that until you start believing Allah and the Akhirah and how the Prophet ﷺ dealt with the dunya and how the Sahaba dealt with the dunya. The next two ayat are the conclusion of the surah. And they are, every ayah is dynamic, but these three ayahs will appeal to you, to your senses, your psyche, your imagination, your creativity and your understanding of who Allah is. سَنُرِيهِمْ آيَاتِنَا فِي وَفِي أَنفُسِهِمْ حَتَّى يَتَبَيَّنَ لَهُمْ أَنَّهُ الْحَقُّ أَوْ لَمْ يَكْفَ Indeed, we will certainly show them our signs in the horizons and also in themselves. Okay, signs in the horizons, Allah's creativity, Allah's power, Allah's will, Allah's desire, determination in the form of good things and also in the form of destruction. The hurricanes and the tornadoes and the lightning and the thunder and the earthquakes and, uh, you know, uh, what poverty and also what you call it, drought, these natural disasters, fire, Mm. all the elements come into play here. That is a sign of Allah's being, His existence. He's in control, you're not in control. Mm. That is now uh, one part of the ayah, which is Jalan, His Majesty and his abilities. Then you have the Jamal in the form of all the pleasant things that he creates outside of you, the earth, the sun, the moon, the stars, the gravity, everything else, the clouds, the rain, vegetation, scenery, and everything else that he gives you in terms of food, clothing, shelter, and transportation. So now you'll see his signs in the horizons, outside of you, outside the human being, outside of the human body, that you must see is a sign of his existence, that he is the truth. And also if you unfold him in yourselves, he will show you signs within yourselves that you will now couple the outside with the inside and the inside with the outside. So he will give you knowledge, he will give you five senses, he will give you the ability to think, to conceive, to deduct, to deduce, to conclude, to imagine, to intuit, to experience and to feel and to empathize and all of that. So all of these are Allah's signs within the human being that he is the truth. That Allah is the truth. I mean, who is giving you all of this? Who is providing you? Who is now in control of both outside of you and inside of you? you see, is the Allah Sometimes you may think that you are in control of your thoughts, or you may or you may not be. You can control them, no doubt, as long as you don't get carried away with them. But then there are understandings of life and there are intuitions in life, experience in life that you will also experience and life experiences are internal. How do you internalize them? So like in dreams, and you're not in control of what you see in your dream. <clears throat> no? So then, أنفسهم, that in yourselves, there are signs that Allah is there. الحق, until it is clear To them, it is made evident to them and obvious to them that indeed he is the haqq. He is the only truth and he is the only real Al haqq. That he is the all-powerful almighty. So when you couple your inner experience with your outer experience, you will come to one conclusion, and that is that Allah is in control. I'm I'm not in control. And what does that do? Is it not enough for your Lord that He is a witness of everything? See, He knows what you think, He knows what you experience, He knows what you deduce, conclude, conjecture, think. He knows outside of you how the sun, the moon, the stars, the earth works, or how the universe works, how He does what He does for you on earth and in the heavens, that He is now a witness to everything. That you experience. Okay, so here, the Quran is ex- exhorting every human being to think as an individual and see, how does he experience experience? Okay. How is he observing? How is he the Shaheed? He, the the ma- man himself is a microscopic Shaheed. He's a shaheed, he's a witness. What is he witnessing? Okay. So now you say, I witness the sun, the moon, the stars, the earth, and technology, science, COVID, politics, economics, job, education. But that's all outer. That's external. It's external to you. Who gives you the ability to actually experience this and observe this? It's your inner qualities and your inner faculties that give you the ability to experience the outer So what are your inner abilities and faculties? If you have time to think about that, then you'll see in my mind, my thought process, my cognition, my imagination, my memory, my retention, my feelings, my emotions, my five senses, and everything else that comes along with it makes me observe, allows me to observe, allows me to witness everything that I witness inside of me and outside of me. So now when you become the witness, then you will know and realize that Allah is the only one who allows you to do this. Then you will conclude that Allah is the haqq. Allah is the only one who is now in control where I am not in control and so on. And you are because you are observing and witnessing. If you stop witnessing and observing, you are no longer there. So you can have a million cars and a million homes and and, uh, billions of dollars and you can have lots of food and everything and shelter and education, blah, blah, politics, economics, whatever. But they're all dependent on you being able to observe and you being able to experience. Once that experience is cut off, everything else goes away. So if you don't observe and if you don't experience, this world means nothing. It is non-existent. So the world is because of you. You are not because of the world. And that is the message of the Qur'an. And through these ayat. these ayat will inspire you to think about you. That's what Allah is saying. We will show them our signs. In the afaq. The horizons outside of man. And within himself. If I stop now breathing. Thinking observing, experiencing, then all this is nothing. For me, it will not exist. And if it doesn't exist, then what's the point? Then if this is not there when I die, then who is there? Allah is there. So he's the haqq Everything else is batil, false. Allah is the haqq because he is the truth. He is the real. So whoever is the real remains and whoever is false goes away. So everything is withering away. And as Ibrahim salam a.s. said, La a'filin." I don't like anything that withers away, that disappears. Allah is the one who doesn't disappear. He's always there. Whether I remain alive or I'm dead. Whether I experience, I don't experience. Allah is there. And that is how you conclude that Allah is calling man to witness himself, through himself to witness Allah. The way to Allah is by observing yourself, making yourself the observer of everything that Allah creates. And then when you die, you will still be observing because you'll be observing the other world, the barzakh. The kafir will be in total denial. He will have a cultural shock when he dies. He goes into another world. What is this? this? I didn't think this existed. But the Muslim believer, he will not be in a cultural shock. Because he's already believing that it's there. That's the difference between carrying your experience over to the other world and not carrying your experience over to the other world. That with Iman and faith, belief in the Akhirah, it will save you from that immense cultural shock when you go to the other side. Then you know Allah is there. Allah is the Haq. Allah <laughs> innahum fi That's now the natural conclusion of all this, that the problem is that, uh, beware, that they are skeptical and doubtful about meeting their Lord. But the believer is not skeptical. He does not doubt. He believes that he will meet his Lord. And that meeting is now, belief in that meeting, is what makes him eligible to observe Allah, to see Allah, to see the haqq and everything else. So, this is how we try to justify and exhort people towards uh, refining themselves, refining their observation, and making sure that the means, the subject, or the object of their observation does not impede their observation. Mm. So, unfortunately, when you have too many things. In front of your windscreen, you can't see anything. Uh, Your windscreen has to be clear and not foggy or covered with rain or snow or ice. The more you have that on your windscreen, the less you have (coughs) the ability to drive straight and not cause yourself uh, to get into an accident and so on. So your windscreen needs to be clear. So how do you clear the windscreen? Get rid of the dunya. Importance of the dunya. Get rid of it. It's there. Okay, it's there. It's not here on the windscreen. It's not in my heart. It's there. I have to navigate now my car according to what I see. But what if I can't see in the first place? It's always foggy. It's always now covered with ice and everything else, as I said then you won't be able to drive either. Not only will you not see, you won't be able to drive because you'll get into a car crash, you'll kill yourself and you'll kill other people uh, on the way. So this is that the liqaa rabbihim, your goal must be to meet your Lord. So while I'm navigating in the dunya, my objective is to reach my destination, which is to meet my Lord. If you have that line of observation, then you're fine. You will travel. If you don't have that line of observation, then you will crash ultimately. When? When you die. When you die, you'll crash. Finish. Khalas. That's the end of the story. You have nothing left because your point of observation is finished. Allah, innahu bikulli muheed. Beware. Take care that indeed, most certainly, He is the one that He is now encompassing everything. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala encompasses the experience of everyone who experiences. So he's encompassing your thoughts, he's encompassing your knowledge, he's encompassing you, he's encompassing your observation. And everything else that you experience, everything's underneath his observation. Allah is the shaheed, Allah is the one who observes and Allah, because he observes, he will testify. And on the day of judgment, he will testify and he will make you testify to whatever it is you have observed in the dunya through your actions, through your belief and so on. So these ayat come at the climax of the surah. The surah obviously comes from the Rahman and the Rahim. So the Rahman and the Rahim sends revelation to Nzilum Rahman Rahim. He reveals to man through his being Rahman and through his being Rahim. Where the idea is to now allow human beings to seek his special Rahmah. And the special Rahmah is by following the lead and observing what we need to observe through the observation the lens of the prophet muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa so that is the idea and the inspiration of these ayat and it is with this that we inshallah conclude this session there will be no more live sessions of tafsir from next week and next week there is no session period neither live nor remote after that, we will have maybe two sessions that will be live, and you'll be able to log in around 11 a.m. on Sunday for those two live sessions, inshallah. May Allah give us tawfiq and keep us under His awfiq and comfort, and save us and protect us from all evil and all illnesses and diseases. Amin, ya Rabbil Alameen wa sallallahu ta'ala wa khalqi Muhammad wa ali wa wa